Her man's looking a little, <clears throat> looking a little beefy, <laughs> a little sluggish. Since, since when is that a bad thing? I feel beefy and sluggish. Um, you, you, we are you going back in the draft, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I guess you, it would be you, a different uh, conversation. If you I looking was. into that? Nah, nah, my uh, desire is gone, and so is my ability. But you know whose ability is not gone? Alabaster. His ability to read a question that he wrote. That's right. Welcome to Debatable. Dominique Foxworth, Spencer Hall, and me reading questions. Um, we're going to start with the weave in that, um, that show introduction that I didn't do. Thank you, you got skills. Um, so the NCAA tournament's happening. That's super fun. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, does seeing the Fairleigh Dickinson and Princeton upsets make you more or less interested in the tourney? Okay, so they're enormous upsets. And I'm traditionally someone who says I hate these upsets because anyone who does is a selfish lover. What are you in a hurry for? Like, let's let's take our time. Let the anticipation build. But that's normally because I know the teams and care about the teams and, like, they have a personality. And outside of, uh, unfortunately, Purdue is one of the teams I actually do know because I've seen them play a few times. They came here and got dominated by my Turtles and Zach Eady. 7-4, I think, center with actual classic post moves is really good. They had this young guy, Braden Smith, who just reminded me of Wojciechowski, honestly, and it made it fun. He's like a perfect villain. So I'm a little sad to see them go at this point. But, I mean, it's fun. It was exciting for a moment. Like, that's what we want from this tournament. If we didn't have these stupid upsets that are, like, unfair, because Fairleigh Dickinson is not nearly as good, and it's not just one of these normal Cinderella situations. Like, they borderline don't deserve to be in the tournament. They're that bad. They're awful at defense. They're not really a good team. Their biggest person is 6'6", and they got lucky and got hot at the right time because this is a weird tournament. I guess they didn't even get hot. Just Purdue got cold because their young guards couldn't shoot at the wrong time. And now the better team is out. And I think everyone believes that except for Fairleigh Dickinson's coach, who somehow said before the game started that the more Purdue he watches, the more he feels like they should beat him. Uh huh. Yeah, that's, I mean, you can say that now. You go right ahead, right? Like, uh-huh. yeah, you know, that made sense. He said it before, though, in, in his defense. He said it before and then, uh, and then felt what? guilty about it. What's he supposed to tell? What's yeah, he supposed fair. to do? Like, yeah, like, you know, don't don't say the nonsensical thing before and yeah. then expect it to make sense afterwards. Um, <laughs> does it make me more? It makes me slightly more interested to want to watch it yeah. if I can watch bad things happen to teams I can't stand watching. For instance, I know we're talking about these ones one seeds going out. Shouts out to Furman. Love y'all. Thank you for getting Virginia out of the paint. Oh. Get, no one wants to watch that. No one. Yeah. It's a, it's a track record with Virginia, too, because they gave one up to UMBC. That was the first 16-1 uh, that we saw, upset we saw a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Unfortunately, Virginia came back and won the title the next year. But I, I would say that there's something to be said about – I mean, it's not new. This tournament is not built to decide who's the best team in college basketball. It's built to entertain. And I, like you, don't love college basketball throughout the course of the season. And I wasn't excited for this tournament. But I got pulled in because when there are stakes – and people are playing hard, no matter how, like, the play is, I like high stakes, like, intense. And when you watch the defense in this tournament, it may not even be sound, but it's intense from start to finish, and they're playing hard, which makes for a lot fewer points because it's guys who can't really score Mm -hmm. going up up Mm -hmm. against really good athletes who are 
pouring their hearts out. It's just a lot of open shots getting missed, a lot of contested shots, a lot of bad foul calls. But you just have to – I think one of the things that would make it hard for me, watching the Maryland game is harder to watch because I actually care. It's yeah. a lot It's a lot easier to watch when you don't care because then a bad call is not like you're getting robbed. It's like, ooh, the plot thickens. <laughs> this is getting a weirder and weirder. We see somebody miss a wide-open shot, you're like, ooh, this is fun. Let's foul him again. But when you care, you're like, oh, God. Don't put our freshmen on the line, please. Also, like, is there any worse thing as a competitor than this tournament? I know we all enjoy it, but imagine being one of these teams and you're like, man, we have consistently proven that we are absolutely the best team this year. We have done magnificent work. And all of a sudden, you got to choke on Fairly Dickinson, right? <laughs> you got to, all of a sudden, you get bounced by Princeton. Those people are going to have other good things in life. Yeah. That's the thing. If I'm facing a Princeton, Princeton basketball player, oh, yeah. This is not the most important thing in your life. The most important thing is that Goldman Sachs internship you got coming up. Don't act like this backdoor pass, right, for uh, an open, like, layup. Don't act like that means the same to you. It doesn't, okay? I don't want to watch that. I don't want good things to happen to you. I watch sports so I can watch bad things happen to people who will later on help make the world worse, right? When Duke loses, I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, and parody is one of those words that sounds like a thing that you want, but it's not actually a thing that you want. And I think you're right. The gap is smaller in part because of all the rule changes that we have are uh, with NIL and with um, uh, one and done with basketball and then all the other options for guys to go play at different places. Like, yeah, it's going to dilute the pool and bring everybody closer to the mean. But... I mean, I don't think that it makes this sport better. What makes this sport better is the same that makes everything better is something to care about. And don't nobody care about a bunch of middling teams. Like, I want Zion to pop up and be like, oh, he's special. I'll watch regular season basketball games when that happens. I want um, Carmelo Anthony to show up and be like, oh, maybe he could put a whole team on his back as a freshman out of Baltimore mm-hmm. and lead them all the way to the championship. Like, that's exciting and interesting. Uh, it's a little bit different. I wish Scoot would have went to college. That would have been fun watching Scoot try to do this all by himself. But yeah, I, I don't think it makes it better. It just, I don't know. I guess it makes it more Cinderella-y, which is fun for a weekend. Again, Alabaster, selfish lover. Hey, also, yeah, I mean, extremely, by the way, like in terms of the fall off, there's a big fall off in this event. It is the movie that you stop watching after the first 20 minutes. (laughs) It really is. Like I said, I cannot imagine actually being a concerned fan. It would be so infuriating to watch somebody try to get through this. I mean, it's set up, like a tournament like this is basically like an old school Japanese game show where they're like, fine, walk across this fire. And you're like, that's ridiculous. And they're like, cool. Do you want to get to stage two? Walk across this flame. Like just absurd challenge after absurd challenge that doesn't necessarily even feel like we're learning a whole lot. It's very entertaining. But the further you go in it, the fewer contestants, it's just not as compelling. I watched uh, Megan this weekend. My 12-year-old went to see it when it was in the theaters with her aunts. And she was like, we got to watch it. It's so good. So I watched it. And it was the opposite of the movie that you're talking about. It was Mm -hmm. like slow for the first, I don't know, half of the movie. And it was cool for the end of the movie. I wish the tournament was like that. Yeah, it's just, it's in a weird order. It's in such a weird order to me. And then in the final four, you just generally end up with, much like college football, four teams that you probably already heard of. Yeah. I mean, Alabaster and I have spent a lot of time talking about uh, how all the sports is changing and it's not necessarily for the better for all of it. And this one, I think, this weekend reminded me what I love about college uh, basketball. But now we're getting into the part that's like, "Mm, ah. All right, Allie, what's up? All right, uh, let's pivot to the NBA. And 
two of the teams that have been the best regular season teams, the Nuggets and the Celtics. They are swooning. Uh, it doesn't seem like the Nuggets can win a game right now. The Celtics' vaunted defense isn't the same without Robert Williams out there. Their offense isn't as efficient. Um, who are you more concerned about heading into the playoffs? Because we are careening towards the NBA postseason. Again, excellent setup. I would say that I'm on the fence about this because I think that I'm more concerned about the Celtics because at one point this season, I believe the Celtics were going to win the championship. So like their ceiling is higher to me than the Nuggets. As good as the Nuggets have been this entire regular season, I've never considered them a realistic championship team. And uh, we've talked about this before. Maybe we can get into it later, but I'm less worried about them because I don't think they're going to fall short <laughs> in any way. I feel like they're going to meet the potential that I expected for them. The Celtics, on the, other on the other hand, they have this weird situation where they suddenly have these championship windows that open and close out of nowhere. And we don't know when this one is going to close or if it closed, I don't know, somewhere last season when we were when we realized that uh, Robert Williams knee isn't going to hold up. Feels like the difference in them being a champion and I guess Tatum's just going to have to take it to like Durant levels at some point, which he did in stretches, but like all the time for them to be great again. Yeah, I'm more worried about the Nuggets because mm -hmm. um, people get impatient and people get impatient waiting for, for a franchise to happen, waiting for that window to either uh, stay open or close all the way. If there is any more potential taking a step further with the Nuggets, um, is this the time to have a crisis of confidence before you try to do that? Is this the time to go ahead and start fumbling when that's already clearly in your head? Like, and I'm not just talking about Jokic, but this is a Jokic derived product. Like the entire team is dependent on his performance and on his confidence. Do you really want that kind of kneecapping going into the playoffs when you're clearly in your head narratively, you know, the nuggets are thinking, Oh, we're the nuggets playoffs are here. <laughs> Yeah. It's time to disappoint. Like that's yeah. that's where they're headed already. As so Alabaster's really reminding like us by, by that card that the Nuggets had one win in their last six games, which happened to be against the Detroit Pistons, who uh, no one believes is really trying to win. That's not a good sign as you're getting ready for uh, the playoffs. I mean, I will say this about the Nuggets. The one thing that makes me like want to come on your side and agree with that is I don't know about the conversation about around the Nuggets and specifically around Jokic if they have an early exit again. Like he needs to make it to at least the conference finals and ball out in the conference finals, if not get this team to the finals. Uh, I guess needs a funny word because nothing's going to happen to him if he doesn't. But the way we talk about him and the way he is like his legacy, he's getting to that point where he's been so great for so long that we need him to do something else or else we're going to say that, he can't put his team over the top. No sorts of things become a problem. You can't get three MVPs in a row and skate on the get your team to the championship level uh, criticism the, the way that Jokic probably has been up until this point. But, I mean, the talent uh, yeah. around him, I get it, all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. I mean, he's kind of like I think the, uh, the, the unfair stereotype of him at this point is that he's a spreadsheet hero. Uh -huh. That's a spreadsheet hero, right? You look at him on the spreadsheet, you go – that's the most valuable player in basketball. That's an incredible guy. And then you see the results on the court. And now we have a difference of opinion between what I see on the sheet and what I've seen on the resume. Like we need a bolder kind of failure here, right? Yeah. We do like, and we're impatient now. Like greats, greats have gone through long stretches of struggle before getting first finals, right? Mm -hmm. First conference finals, first ring. Like that's happened before. 
our memory's just a lot shorter now. Yeah, I won't be the Jokic hater, but I will say that the MVP conversation is going to be a conversation, and it's not a foregone conclusion anymore, as it felt like it was at points throughout the season. I think the the one thing that I like about, or one thing I would introduce to the MVP conversation is a bar. Once you're over this bar, then we need to stop talking about stats. Then we need to be honest that it's about preferences and opinions, because I could easily make an argument for any of the top three guys why they are the MVP. But I think what I end up falling back on is who do I want, which is probably not fair when you're talking about mm -hmm. like the MVP of a season. But entering the playoffs, who the hell do I want? I get to pick one person, and that's Giannis. <laughs> that's, that's who I want. If I want mm -hmm. one guy right now, I want Giannis, maybe a healthy KD. But I'm going Giannis, and I'm, it might be two or three guys before I get to Jokic, which might be my bias for wing play. But, yeah. And in my yeah. bias for people who play on both ends of the floor, because I think the Nuggets, if I'm not mistaken, are like the worst defensive efficiency team in. OK, Alabaster's card came up, which must mean I'm mistaken. No, I not, I sorry. I, I need to engage in a tiny bit of this. I want to know now the presumptive MVP favorite, Joel Embiid. Do you actually trust him more in the postseason than Nikola Jokic? Because he has a worse playoff track record to date. Yeah, see, you, you changed the question. You no, I know, I know, I know. I just was wondering because oh, yeah, yeah, now yeah. this I, is number one. Yeah. So I said, who do I want? Not who I trust more in the playoffs. And yeah, I would take Embiid over Jokic. I'd take Giannis over Jokic. Uh, I mean, KD's health is the only reason why I wouldn't take him over Jokic. Yeah, I, I take all those guys over Jokic because of the two-wayness of them. I think it matters. You need to be able to get stops in the playoffs. And you need to have somebody who makes everyone better on both ends of the floor because Giannis makes everyone better on both ends of the floor. Even though he doesn't have to always protect the rim because they got Lopez, he can protect the rim. He can switch at, on the perimeter and stay in front of point guards. That matters. Embiid, similar things. Not as comfortable on the perimeter, but like legitimately, you can run, you can blow right by James Harden and Embiid is going to make your shot tough and he's going to make it easier for you on the other end of the floor. So yeah, I think I, I'd still, I'd go Giannis or Embiid of the healthy guys left before I'd go to uh, Jokic. Thank you for coming up with the truly impossible question, Alabaster, of would I rather trust Jokic or Embiid in the postseason so that I can disrespect two really good players at the same time <laughs> while also experiencing a genuine distrust. That is a sadistic setup. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm going to go with Jason Tatum. USA, USA, USA. <laughs> All right, Alabaster, check me. I got to ask one more question because now oh, I want to get to a couple presumptive matchups because there's, there's actually some, no, but there's something interesting here. We might get a second round Sixers Celtics matchup. We might get a first round Lakers Nuggets matchup. And my, my thought here is would you actually be comfortable picking the Celtics or the Nuggets in either of those situations? Because a month ago, that would have felt like a foregone conclusion for both of those teams. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. I would absolutely not be comfortable picking either of them, assuming um, LeBron is back. And, I mean, he hasn't shot well all season, but he's still LeBron, explosive um, floor professor that can decipher all defenses and still um, as big and athletic as – I mean, bigger and athletic than – and more athletic than most guys in NBA, a value on defense. As long as um, – uh, AD is healthy. I think he's a reasonable defender against Jokic. Uh, yeah, 
I would probably, if you made me pick, I'd probably pick the Nuggets, but I wouldn't be comfortable with it. Um, I would take the Celtics just because I don't, that's a slightly more diversified portfolio. Yeah. I know they're not firing on all cylinders, right. but if 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 Browns if Browns not working, Tatum might work. If Tatum's yeah. not working, Brown might work. So yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, go on that because um, though I said it was slightly unfair, there's a part of my mind. I'm going to go with the unfair, cruel part of my sports brain and say, I'm not going to bet on the spreadsheet hero. I'm not. That's a great basketball player, but I'm not going to bet on it. Yeah. What does Harden do against them? That'd be interesting to know also. I know. I I know what he does. He goes two for 11 in a a closeout game in the postseason. That's what he does every time. I knew you were going to say that. I set you up and regretted it immediately. (laughs) Uh, Unlike Jokic, I actually caught the alley joke. Oh, well um, done. Okay, that's the perfect joke. I was looking for a joke to get us to the next topic, and you gave it to us. There's really you. no, there's really no defense for that. Something which James <laughs> Harden is familiar with on several levels. <laughs> well done. Um, okay, so one more NBA topic. Are we sure this Warriors team is any good? All right, so the Warriors <laughs> are defending champs. They have all the names and faces that you recognize them for, except for Andrew Wiggins, uh, who's out for reasons that I'm not going to speculate on. And if you're on the Internet, you probably shouldn't speculate on them either. But no, they're not good. And we're sure they're not good. The question is, are we sure that, they, that this not good team won't win the championship? That's when you get me to say, no, I'm not sure. Because, yeah, um, Clay Thompson is – not full Clay Thompson anymore. Like he's getting older. Draymond Green is not the same defensive version that can play all five positions and facilitate the offense. Jordan Poole is <coughs> was supposed to be this guy that steps in and provides this offensive help for them, but he's uh, such an incomplete basketball player that it, it feels like they're not better with him on the field. On the field, on the court, the only guy who is championship like for sure, tip top of his game is Steph Curry. And the last thing I'll say about Jordan Poole is. Are we sure? Okay, no, no, that's not the way I want to phrase it. This is the mm-hmm. way I want to phrase it. Mm-hmm. As a as a father, Spencer, you'll understand mm-hmm. this. Okay. I never hit my children, mm-hmm. but they do that deserves for them to get hit. And so I say that in reference to Jordan Poole, not in the defense of Draymond Green punching him. That was wrong because you should never use violence to solve a problem. But there's reason to believe that Jordan Poole does that makes people want to hit him. Like try to go take a, a technical free throw when Klay Thompson is on the court. What are you doing? It just seems like all of that together, whatever that Stu has made or made last year was perfect. And the injuries around the other teams, like it made it perfect for them to make a run to the championship. But the turmoil between, presumed turmoil between the teammates and they're just like aging. It doesn't feel like they're any good. But again, I ain't picking against them because they made me look stupid last year. Remember this, guys? Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I you can't. I can do that because I haven't <laughs> had made any spectacular bets on them. But <sighs> I don't think there's many work situations that are made better by a punch in the face. That's just not. <laughs> uh, it's call, call me call me insane. I just don't think I don't think things have been good since then. I don't think that locker room's necessarily in the best place. Uh, and I don't think that at one point we're going to be right about Draymond. Like that is the team yeah. has revolved around his ability to be this player who can be so many different things at once, right? Like 
if he's triple single, then they're the singles that matter in, in every single sense of the word when he's working well. And I don't see that this year, right? And, and if they're down, they stay down. Isn't it 0-22 in games where they trailed after three on the road? Like, that's that's enough to me to say that in a playoff situation, they're in deep trouble. That's not to say Steph Curry's not going to pull out some absolutely transcendent game that's going to have all of us remember. But that's the question. How right. many of those games can he pull out? Because, yes, he could pull out those games when they need him to, but they, it seems like they're going to need him to a lot more often than is uh, reasonable. And the Wiggins absence is huge. If he comes back or when he comes back, I don't know what type of level he, he'll be at. But if we think back to their run last year, there are a few things that we learned about that team is when Draymond was bad, they were awful. And mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins had to play out of his mind for a couple of games for them to win the championship. Right now, Draymond is, and maybe it's a, a hit the switch in the playoffs because it seemed like, at some point in the playoffs, he was like terrible. And to the point where we were like, maybe Draymond should stop making podcasts. And then mm-hmm. he was like, y'all going to get these podcasts. And then he yeah. balled out. And so we'll see those two. Someone else is going to have to step up. Like Kaminga is going to have to become the player that they hoped that he would be that he hasn't shown yet. And Wiseman's already gone. So I don't know who it's going to be. It ain't going to be Jordan Poole. So one thing they don't need is a little guard who can shoot. And Jordan Poole doesn't even shoot that well. Like, he shoots a lot, and he looks like he should shoot better. But, like, his – I mean, Alabaster would interject and tell me I was wrong if I was wrong. But I, I don't think that he qualifies as a sharpshooter the way that we talk about him because he had, like, some some incredible instant offense games in the playoffs last year. We thought that he was, like, a, a monster. And then they got into the finals, and they couldn't put him on the court anymore. I say this is somebody – I say this is somebody getting older myself too. The, the ability to bet on older teams in the playoffs always comes with the, uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to give you the economist here, right? The good thing is that you're experienced. The bad thing is that um, I can bet on you less and less down the stretch because mm-hmm. fatigue, where I know that you can manage things. Like LeBron James' entire career to this point oh has been a brilliant examination of how little you can do at a high level in the regular season to get to the playoffs and then immediately hit max effort. That That's what it is. And that's cool. I just don't know whether you can bet on it, especially given how many good young to sort of like mid-career guys are in this particular set of playoffs. It's better than Jordan, by the way. LeBron, I don't know if you knew that or not. but No, oh, you think so? He's better. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Somebody should discuss this on a sports podcast yeah, one time. I don't know. That's a good idea. I mean, yeah, we'll, maybe when when we're in like the, the doldrums of the summer when there's no mm-hmm. sports on, we'll talk about this novel topic of is LeBron better than Michael Jordan? Mm-hmm. We'll focus group that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more question. <laughs> a last dance of sorts. We're going to mm-hmm. pivot to the NFL draft. Um, we got to talk about Jalen Carter, <laughs> the star for Georgia the top talent in this draft, regardless of position, and he's defensive tackle, a position that's gotten more and more valuable in the NFL, but he is slipping down draft boards for a number of reasons. And I want to know from you guys, could you see him slipping out of the top 10? I'm going to go ahead and slide to the side because I would like to hear what Spencer has to say, and then I'm going to repackage the things that he said as if they were my original thought because nobody knows college football better than Spencer. So, Jalen Carter's had a busy offseason already, the kind of busy that you don't want. He's been tied up with a 
street racing charge, uh, speeding charge that has to do with a fatal crash involving several Georgia football players and staffers uh, fall in a celebration following the national title win uh, that resulted in a couple of deaths, including one of Jalen Carter's teammate. In terms of not going out on a limb and not saying anything that we that that I don't know for sure, okay, we don't know how he's handling all of this, okay. Jalen Carter has attempted to go about his business so much so to the point that when the Athens Police Department published the charges, all right, levied the charges against him, he came back from the combine to take his mugshot in his combine shirt. This is clearly somebody just trying to get through it. He could not get through his pro day drills where he was winded could not did not end up running a 40 time because he simply wasn't in shape we have beautiful footage here you can see that is an unreal athlete who has some very real relatable conditioning as in the kind of conditioning i have at the <laughs> moment where you just can't get through the drill um, in addition to that he looked kind of soft I know that these are the things that have people overthinking draft status all the time, okay? I'm not saying it's not a legitimate concern. Anyone who drafts him now has to take this into account as another data point, right? Like, I get on draft people all the time because they sometimes overlook the college career. But I also know the impossibility of trying to evaluate these guys for large investments of money sometimes involves throwing all of that out and saying, I just have to look at the measurables. I have to do my own observation. I respect that, okay? If you meet the two of those, you're going to necessarily take on the risk that maybe this is a guy who, yeah, wasn't prepared for his pro day, right? Who at times uh, may have exhibited some bad judgment. But I also have to know that that's worked out really well for people drafting players in the draft at value. So could he fall out of the top 10? Yeah. Is that going to necessarily be indicative of anything about his absolute quality as a football player or his potential down the road? No, he's phenomenal. He really is. There might be a little more risk now than I think people had anticipated, but this is somebody who broke double teams by himself constantly. This is somebody who made that entire defense better by sometimes looking, making it look like there was 12 on 11. That's what you can do with a player like this. That's why defensive tackle has become a more valuable position. It used to just be, okay, put this huge space eater there, right? Yeah, no, stuff. we're now talking about people who shift blocking assignments. We're now talking about people who by themselves are a threat to not just eat up space, but to make plays in the backfield and to right. tackle and to sometimes even fall out in coverage, right? The dream to have a player that big who could do that many different things. To that the point, is, I th I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go. Go. He's valuable, and as long as he's that valuable, he he could slip out of the top ten. But there's still such value there that, like, I get both sides. I yeah. I, I really. So do. I mean, drafting him would be extremely risky, because mm -hmm. drafting is extremely risky. Right. So I I think that it depends on where you what you want to be your answer, because it's not as if. And correct me if I'm wrong, Spencer, but it's not as if he has a long track record of really, really awful, questionable decisions. He mm. was street racing um, after they won the national championship. And now I am not trying to forgive or condone any of this, but I can remember times when I was driving way too fast and it was really mm -hmm. stupid. I can remember doing lots of really stupid things in my youth that I just was fortunate enough to not get caught up or, or in trouble with. And it's not like stupid, malicious, aggressive 
think violent things. It's like just stupid things mm-hmm. that are very dumb. And so I don't mean to say that as a defense of him. The reason why I say it's risky to draft everyone, because like what led him to make that decision? You're trying to argue that if you're saying that it's a lot more risky to, for him to do it, the argument you're making is that no one else has made bad decisions. No more. None yeah. of these other players have made bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Many of them have. Many of them have gotten caught up because of them. And most of them probably have not. And I would put on top of it. The other thing that's risky, but it's not all that risky for his position. That's another risk that's on top of it. First is the character risk that you're taking with every player because you can't climb into their brain and actually know what they're about. No matter how many psycho psychological evaluations you do or how many coaches you talk to, you don't know what's happening in their head. You also don't know how they react or respond to the new set of circumstances. So all that aside, let's put that aside and say that we can't figure it out. Where it's less risky is the stuff that you are hiring him for is the football stuff. And so I think drafting quarterbacks, very hard, because there's a lot of other um, variables that you can't really measure for that will determine whether your quarterback is, is successful or not. Mm-hmm. Drafting, drafting defensive tackles, if he is unblockable in the SEC, mm-hmm. he likely going to be unblockable yes. in the NFL. Yeah. So I don't think that there's as much risk on the field for him, but – off the field risk to me, it's I could argue that he got caught because maybe there's a bunch of other really bad decisions that he made and they caught up to him, but we don't have a record of that. So I guess it, it goes to like the sense that you get from him. The last thing about him, about his character, I would say that there, or at least his football character, I could understand that this stress could lead him to not being prepared for his pro day. But I also could understand a team saying if this stress led him to not prepare for the most important job interview of his life, he's not the type of guy that I want on my team. You're talking about a tremendous amount of money and a tremendous amount of investment because he will have to he will have to now justify that risk quickly. Like, I don't think I think this actually where I worry about this is I worry about the effect through the first season. What if he has no trouble, no off-season trouble? What if he does everything he's supposed to? You know, he's like an OTA monster. He's a locker room asset, but he only has, you know, two sacks. Right. And he and he doesn't really disrupt in year one because he's catching up to the speed that everyone goes through, right? right. And even the best players in the NFL. There's very few people who walk in day one and they're at that level, right? Just because of technique, just because of process, yeah. just because of speed. It's a different game in a lot of ways. I worry about year one now, because after year one, if he's not like that, then I think those suspicions will fester a lot faster than if he comes out and he's just Aaron Donald part two, yeah. right? But since we since we changed the way uh, that rookies are paid, it feels like a risk that you have to take because it's not yeah. as big a risk or a big, big a commitment. And this is the type of player that could be the centerpiece of your defense. And he could be the centerpiece of a championship team. I think one thing that goes undiscussed when we talk about building uh, championship rosters, and Alabaster is probably sick of hearing this from me, but I'm going to say it again for those who did, who haven't heard it, is it's about getting value through the draft. You won't find a championship mm-hmm. team that doesn't have value in a draft. Largely, we talk about it at the quarterback position because it's happened a lot recently that Um, rookie contract quarterbacks win the Super Bowl because you can allocate resources elsewhere. I like to point to 
the Denver Broncos when they won the Super Bowl on mm-hmm. the strength of Vaughn Miller. If you get a Hall of Fame caliber player and he's paying and you're paying him rookie wages, then you get to build up the roster around him. It's easier if that Hall of Fame caliber player and he doesn't have to be Hall of Fame caliber if he's a quarterback because he affects so much. But if you get a good, solid quarterback, then you can build everything around him because it's cheaper. This is there are several different ways to win a championship. And one of the lesser discussed ways is around a a superstar rookie who's not the quarterback. And you can look at those um those Bucks teams. They got Justin yep. Wirfs out there kick sliding around. They got um what's the safety name on that team? Yeah, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. It's not football yep. season. I don't remember names until then. But like it's all, all these rosters that we look at, <laughs> we focus so much on the quarterback that we take for granted how important it is. I got a bunch of basketball names in my head right now. Here enough space we're, we're, here, we're like enough we're space. like we're, we're like kindergarten teachers. Like once the semester ends, just, just you got to dump it. That's how I survive. You got to flush that forgot, forgot the whole roster. But like the NFL draft is is full of guys who were, you know, moderate to severe Winfield. credit risks. Boom. Sorry. Yeah. But but like moderate to severe credit risks who worked <laughs> out. And I know that afterwards we all laugh, right? We're like, oh, how could you have passed them up for, for X? There are just as many cases where those were indicators of – um, you know, a festering problem, right? right. The, the, where those are indicators of somebody who was not mature enough or not ready for the NFL. You know, that's that can be just as true. Um, with Carter, the talent because of yes, the pay scale, but also just from what I've seen, you you have to do it. We have this conversation about Anthony Richardson. Where, you know, we've had this conversation like, well, I don't know, it's a quarterback out of Florida, fantastic yeah, physical ability, but not quite. A yeah, great quarterback raw has not even learned. Like honestly, like very much in that Josh Allen caveman. Like show me how throw. That's it, right? Like, <laughs> and, and it turns out that like because they played so little football with so little around them that, that that there was a legitimate argument to be made about Josh Allen, and I think maybe potentially about Anthony Richardson. The problem were their teammates. They needed yeah. to go to the NFL to find people who could catch the balls that they threw. Right? right. They needed equals. Like. There's an argument to be made, and we've had this discussion about Anthony Richardson where we go, well, there's risk, but you should go ahead and do it. It's a different kind of risk, but like for me, Jalen Carter fits in that same category of, yeah, it's all risk. Do it. Right. But the difference difference for me, at least, is um, Anthony Richardson is a bigger risk because of the attention that we'll pay for it. You miss on Anthony Richardson, you are taking a step closer to being fired. it, you probably only get two quarterbacks tops if you're a GM or a head coach. Tops, mm-hmm. you're going to get two shots at quarterbacks. And uh, Anthony Richardson, are you sure you want to spend one of them on Anthony Richardson? You can yeah. cycle through D tackles. You can, you can have 47 D tackles. No one is going to write a column in your local paper. Oh, column in a paper. How old am I? No one is going to tweet a tweet. chat on a message board. <laughs> <laughs> about firing the coach because he drafted a detail that didn't work out. Tommy, Dominic, you are on an online show right now, you are tw- and you are tweeting on a message board. Mm, eh, whatever. I don't tweet anymore. I hate Twitter. I've given up on it. It's not like a, a moral stance. It's just like I, just tired. I, I don't enjoy it, and it feels like work. I don't know if this ever happened to you where you feel like, man, I should tweet about this. Once I started thinking I need to tweet about this, I was like, oh, they don't pay me to tweet about this. I'm good. 
No, nobody pays you to tweet, man. That's just a that's just a compulsion. That's just me hitting yeah. the button. The sad part me. is there's value to it though. Like they people around like determine how successful or good you are by how many people follow you. But I'm well, good. you know, there's about like there's about seventy percent less value in it now. Thanks to <laughs> <laughs> thanks to thanks to them finally getting Twitter right. Good job, uh, y'all. Oh, Alabaster's in. He must not like us veering off the topic. Mm. No, can I predict a tweet that you're gonna break your Twitter silence? Oh, for I know, I know where this is going. All right, clear it out for making fun of me. Go for Jaylen it. Jalen Carter is terrifying. Yes, a great callback that Spencer doesn't get, and I'm not gonna explain because it's making fun of me. Although the Cowboys could yes. win a championship. On the, on the strength of their special defensive lineman. Again, the lights are off in the football names part of my brain. So, mm. listen, listen, Jalen Carter, though, he, he is terrifying. I'll contribute <laughs> to whatever this joke is. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, Alabaster, give me a check so we can get out of here, jerk. Thank you. Hit I it. Appreciate it. Do it. Do it. Nice job. Just got to dump. Listen, show. you just got to dump all that. Listen, you dump all of the names that you worked with, all the rosters. You go like a teacher, you have your summer vacation, you come back, you get a week of prep, and then everybody just rolls in and, uh, and we hand out juice boxes. We learn everyone's name. I like to think of my brain as like a big house with locks all over the place or like mm -hmm. a big building and you put certain things in certain rooms. And the janitor just didn't bring the key for the football names today because he didn't think he didn't expect that we were going to be using football name rooms, which I respect.